Girlfriends, episode number 246, Nine Ways to Make Every Day More Catholic. Hey, girlfriends, how are you? Welcome to the newest episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. I am always glad to connect with you here on the podcast. Before we dive into this week's content, which is 10 ways to make every day more Catholic, something near and dear to my heart and something people do ask me about on a regular basis, I hear from people who are converts or reverts and they kind of wonder about like, am I doing all the right stuff as a Catholic? Well, this isn't going to be a list of all the right stuff because there is no such list except for, you know, following the commandments and the teachings of the church. But um, this is going to be a little bit of a fun look at some different ways, the stuff that we get to do, the opportunities we have to incorporate our faith in the everyday as Catholics. But before we dive into that, I want to remind you for any of you out there who may not yet have registered for the Catholic Mom Summit, don't miss out on this opportunity. It is free to register. I'm the host of this event. We are going to have a blast on the days of November 13th through the 15th. We have over 80 dynamic presentations from women from all ages and stages of motherhood, all walks of life. It is free to register. So go over to catholicmomssummit.com. It will not be the same if you are not there I will be sad if you don't show up. So just click on over and register. You don't have to purchase the all access pass. That's the only thing that does cost money. But I do want to recommend it because it is a real value. You know me, I'm not trying to sell you something that you're not going to enjoy. And what you're getting, the content you are getting for the upgraded pass fee is so worth it. You're going to get lifetime access to the talks, first of all, not just over the course of those three days. You will get to download them. You can listen to them like you listen to girlfriends. You will have that many talks. There are over 80 of them. And then we're going to have additional talks, live bonus content. So 14 different lives over the course of the weekend You'll exhaust yourself if you try to take all of that in over the course of the weekend. So make sure that you get access to be able to have lifetime access to all of that. But then the most important part, the part I'm most excited about is that after the summit, it's not just going away. We're really building a community here. And one of the bonus content features is that you will get access to a virtual retreat that is going to take place for Advent this season, a 21-day retreat. This is led by me, has video content, has some Um, text, some written content, all of which will get sent to your inbox every day. And you're going to walk along in this journey together with me. I really want you to be a part of that. So check out all the details. Go over to catholicmomssummit.com. I don't want you to miss out on this opportunity to connect with Catholic women from all over the world. This is going to be the world's largest ever virtual event, the virtual gathering of the largest number of Catholic moms ever. And I want you to be a part of it. catholicmomssummit.com. All right, diving into this week's content. Like I said, these are just some fun ways. None of these are required ways. Sometimes we get kind of hung up on the rules. And when I hear from a convert sometimes, and this is a common question that I hear from converts, they want to know, like, what do I have to have in my house? Like, they'll they'll see like a crucifix on the wall or an image of Mary. And yeah, we have all of these beautiful things, but they want to know like what's required or what what's best to have. And of course, none of those things are required. They're just nice to have. They're fun to have. And um, there's so many different ways that you can incorporate your Catholic faith inside of your everyday life, inside of your home, inside of your work, inside of your family life. So I wanted to just share, I, I 
you know, wrote down 10 different ways that I thought of to incorporate more of your Catholic faith in your everyday, make every day more Catholic. So to start with, this is something we've talked about here before on the podcast many times. Do you pray a morning offering? Do you give God your day at the start of your day? This is a beautiful way to start every day on the right foot as you're getting out of bed, maybe before you're getting out of bed, whatever your morning routine is, if you maybe hit the snooze button and you're lying there for a few minutes, make that your opportunity to put yourself in the right frame of mind before beginning your day. And that frame of mind is in giving your day to God before it even begins. So there are lots of different short versions of this that you can memorize. Um, I'll make a note to myself. I'll put a a link in the show notes for you that'll be available over at ascensionpress.com. But you know, you don't have to use a memorized or a formal version of it. Although I think they're nice because it incorporates, like it says, in union with the holy sacrifice of mass throughout the world and, you know, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary and we're, we're praying for the Pope's intentions and for the conversion of sinners. And, um, the, you know, some of the formula ones are, are nice because they incorporate all of that stuff. But if you don't want to do that, you don't have to memorize one. You can just use your own words to turn your mind and your heart toward God first thing in the morning and say, Lord, I'm giving you this day. Maybe look ahead at what's on your schedule for the day and think about it, Um, whether it's while you're in the shower or while you're brushing your teeth. Think about each part of your day and offer it to God. You know, you're going to do carpool in the morning. You're going to make lunch for kids. You're going to have this work project you're working on or make that phone call or um, go on a fun social outing, whatever it is you're doing. Whatever your day is going to involve, it's a really wonderful habit to get into, to give it all to God before it even starts, because then it has merit. It has real merit. This is something that um, we really believe as Catholics, that not that we can earn God's love in any way, but that the things we do, the work we do and the sacrifices we might make can have real value if we offer it up to God and offer it in union with the, the sacrifices that Jesus made in repentance for sins, in conversion of sinners, um, in petition for whatever it is you might be asking for, special graces you might be asking God for inside of your life, inside of your marriage, inside of your work, inside of your family, inside of your parenting. So morning offering is a great way to do that. One thing that I've been getting in the habit of doing is not only praying that morning offering before I get out of bed in the morning, but remembering that scripture passage, because this has been coming to mind. It's getting pretty cold and dark here in um, the Northeast where we live. And in the mornings, it is cold and it is dark and it gets a little bit harder to get out of bed in the morning. And especially on a day where I'm going to be busy and I know there's a lot going on, it can kind of feel like hard to get out of bed in the morning and get started with it all. And I've just been reminding myself of that scripture passage that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I find that's a really helpful way to focus my attention just in that exact moment where I am pulling off the covers and getting out of bed in the morning, my he- my feet are hitting the floor. Just saying that little little phrase, that little scripture passage, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, puts me in the right mindset for my day and reminds me that I'm called to great things. I'm called to do hard things even, all of us are, and that we can do those hard things through Christ only through Christ, not through our own strength. So that's the first way I want to recommend that you can make every day more Catholic. Pray your morning offering. Get it in there. Get in the habit of doing it. Maybe you were once in the habit and you've fallen out of the habit. This is your reminder. Get back into that, okay? Second one is pay attention to the liturgical seasons. 
we moms are pretty good at doing this. Homeschoolers, homeschooled Catholic families are really good at listening to, paying attention to the liturgical seasons because it's always another reason to make cupcakes, right? You have a feast day or something to celebrate. But even just the everyday stuff, you might subscribe to a list that sends you the saint of the day through the Catholic company. There's a really great email. Uh, it's called The Morning Offering. And it it gives you not only the scripture passages for the day, but it lets you know like what the saint of the day is. There's tons of great resources in there, different kinds of prayers, um, excerpts from some of their books and that sort of thing. Um, I really, I really do recommend that. In fact, I will put a note to myself. I will put a link in the show notes over at ascensionpress.com for you to subscribe to that because it's a really cool resource. And it gives you the saint of the day. And I find that just reading that one little bit sometimes introduces me to a new saint, reminds me of another saint. And then I remember it throughout my day. Whenever you might make some other prayer, you can recall whose feast day it is and um, make a make a prayer to that saint. It's kind of broadening your horizons within the Catholic Church and broadening your knowledge of the communion of saints, especially. So that's a beautiful way to do it. You don't always have to be baking cupcakes, but you can if you want. I mean, <laughs> it's always nice to have an excuse to bake cupcakes or uh, maybe make something special on a, on a feast day that maybe one of your kids is named after a particular saint and you celebrate that feast day with a special meal or doing a special craft or just keeping these things in mind, I find is a really, really helpful way to remind ourselves of the fact that, you know, what we do in, inside of our homes and inside of our work in these very narrow spheres, it's not just limited to that. We really are part of a larger church, a larger organization. The things we do matter and affect the world at large and the community in which we live in the church in that way. So remembering you're part of something larger, just reading the daily readings can be a great way to do that. But I find paying attention to and celebrating and commemorating and observing all of the liturgical seasons really is a fun way to do that too. And it has a way of just balancing the way that you're living your family life. There's a time for feasting and there's a time for fasting. And the church very, very much in her wisdom gives us you know, instruction with regard to that, how how we can go about celebrating and observing the different liturgical seasons. So make sure you're linking your every day to the liturgical season. It's a really a bonus. It's a fun way to do that. All right. Speaking of linking things, link prayer to your everyday activities. This is a no-brainer sometimes. You can, you know, say a Hail Mary every time you wash your hands. Well, this is something during the pandemic that got started saying a memorare, you know, first particular intention every time you wash your hands. That's a great way to, especially these days, because we're all washing our hands, right? A lot more than usual even. A great way to add a lot of prayer to your day. And maybe you would make that for a particular intention. And um, for sure, I've done that during this, this time of quarantine and the continuing pandemic where I do find that I'm washing my hands much more often or sanitizing more often, using that as a little prompt toward prayer, maybe praying for a vaccine, maybe praying for the health of those who are suffering from COVID, maybe praying for loved ones that you've lost during this time. A wonderful way to do that is to attach prayer to those kinds of activities, but not just those activities. I know um, some people are really good about doing this. I am not so good about doing this. Praying for people as you fold laundry. So a lot of us moms fold a lot of laundry. <laughs> I think uh, it's one of the ongoing things, the laundry we shall always have with us. And when you have that chore, then you can pray for the people 
whose clothing you're folding. That's a really nice thing to do and kind of a natural way to kind of extend your work. Similarly, whatever kind of work you're doing in your home, if you're preparing a meal, maybe you want to prepare um, the meal and and make a prayer to, to God, thanking Him for the food, thanking Him for the people who you'll share it with, you know, or, or praying for special blessings for the people you're going to share it with. Or if you're cleaning up after a meal or, or doing any kind of everyday work inside your home is an opportunity to attach prayer to it. But even more than that, even inside of your regular routines, I've shared with you guys before that I, um, I used to have a regular routine of praying the Divine Mercy Chaplet on the drive home from school after I dropped off kids because that was something I was doing every day. My schedule's different. I'm not doing that carpool these days, but there are other times when I'm going to regularly find myself in the car, regularly find myself in having a moment of quiet. And yep, you could turn on the radio or you could sit in quiet and spend that time in prayer. Maybe there's a certain prayer, whether it's the Divine Mercy Chaplet or not. Maybe it's a decade of the rosary. Maybe it's a memorare. Maybe it's a St. Michael prayer. Whatever it is you like to pray, look for moments in your day that you can attach it to so that whatever everyday thing you're doing, it's going to be a prompt toward prayer. So that's the third way, attaching prayer to your everyday activities. And um, the fourth one is one very official way that you can do that, and that's praying the Angelus. So this is a prayer with a long tradition inside the Catholic Church. If you're not familiar with it, okay, making myself another note, I will link to the Angelus, a, a little description of it and the words of the prayer, because it's really a beautiful, a beautiful habit to get into. I'm not currently in the habit of doing this. And this is a little nudge for me as well as for you to consider doing that. The prayer itself is recalling the words that the angel spoke to Mary at the time of the Annunciation. And um, just, you know, it's a prayer honoring Mary and praying the Hail Mary in, in different parts of it. So you pray it at different points in your day. I think ideally at 6 a.m., 12 noon, and 6 p.m. But you might pray it at different intervals in your day, depending on what your schedule, what your routine is like. Just look for ways that you could do that. Um, so like I said, I'll put a link to an explanation of it and the prayers. It's not long at all. So this is one of the bonuses. It's not a hard commitment, but I found, you know, during times in my life where I was faithful to doing that, and this is my nudge to do it again, I found that it really was a nice way of kind of having little moments of pause in your day that were built in. And uh, you can put a reminder on your phone that will go off at the times when you want to pray this. And then once you've done it a few times, you'll have it memorized and you'll be able to pray it anywhere, anytime, whenever you see that alarm go off. But like I said, I'll put a link in the show notes. There's um, a nice link over at EWTN that I'll share that just gives you the the, the prayers to, to say and kind of a little bit of a background on the Angelus. So you can get those in the show notes that are going to be posted over at ascensionpress.com. Okay, moving on. The fifth thing I want to mention for a way to make every day more Catholic is holy water. Do you have holy water in your house? I have a little bottle of it that I like to keep. And this is a funny story. When our, our good friend, Father Jeff, he's a young young priest that we've known for a, a long while. He's a close friend of our family. He he was moving away. He was going to be moving away at the end of the summer. And so we had a, a last time that he was going to visit us before his big trip out, out west. And uh, we weren't going to see him for some time. And you know, it had been the time of quarantine and we hadn't been going to mass regularly. And 
it was like having this Catholic priest in our house felt like this amazing opportunity. So we had to get all the things blessed. <laughs> so at the end of the evening, um, everyone rounded up all their stuff, their, their medals and their crucifixes. And I took a big old jug of water that I had. It was just, you know, spring water in a gallon jug. And I just asked him to bless it. And there's a special prayer that they say, it's not just like blessing another object um, to bless the holy water. And so he did that for me. So then I had this gallon jug of holy water. And, you know, the next day I was looking at it like, okay, where am I going to keep this thing? You know, it was great to have it stocked up, but, you know, I like to keep a little bit in a little bottle that I keep right in the living room and you can use it to bless yourself. You can use it to bless objects. You can, you know, it's really nice to have it handy like that. But having the big jug around, I was like, well, this is just my, my, you know, my storage. So I put it into the pantry and in there, it started to leak. I don't know what happened, but at one point, like one of my kids brought out like a box of cereal that was completely doused, like completely drenched. And I was like, what is going on in there? And I went in and I found out that the gallon container was like half full and half of it had leaked out into other objects in the pantry. And my mom happened to be visiting at the time. And she was like, okay, you can't just throw away that stuff. That's They're all blessed now. It's like, holy stuff. So I had to like dry out the cereal boxes and then I just, I, I had a fire and I just burned them, but what a ridiculous thing. And people were making fun of me for being so greedy that it led to this situation. I, I got greedy with the holy water that I had to have in a gallon jug in my pantry. So it's now in a, a Tupperware in my pantry that I think is going to be a more secure location for it. But you don't have to get a gallon at a time. You can just get one of these little bottles. Um, they're available easily online. You can find them. Um, okay, I'll put a link in the show notes for a, a bottle. I'm sure you can find them at Amazon. I'll, I'll find um, the one that I have and share that with you. But they make all different kinds and you can keep it in whatever container you want. You could keep it just in a jar with a lid. Um, but nice to have it around. You know, maybe you want to you want to bless your your kids with it on a regular basis. Bless yourself before you go out of the house in the morning, or um, just make it a part of your every day. This is one of the gifts we have as Catholics is that we have these sacramentals. Our physical experiences matter, and we we can have these things that are a tangible reminder of our baptism, and that bring with them real blessing and real grace when we use them in this way. So, another thing that you can use in this way is medals. Do you wear? holy medals. A common one is the miraculous medal. I'm wearing one right now. Uh, we all have our favorites. And um, you, you, if you don't, I want to encourage you to think about getting one of your favorites. It doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be like, you know, fine jewelry, but you can find some fairly inexpensive ones online. And, you know, your favorite saints would be nice to wear. Um, the St. Benedict medal has a lot of graces attached to it. Wearing a scapular is a, a whole different thing. In fact, I didn't have that as one of my things, but it just kind of came to mind as I was talking about that St. Benedict medal. If you're not familiar with the wearing of the scapular, that's um, something else you might consider when you're thinking about wearing medals or what kind of Catholic jewelry you might like to wear to just keep your faith close to you, keep a reminder of your faith close to you. And many different medals, like the miraculous medal that I told you I'm wearing, have different kinds of promises and graces that are attached to them because they're an outward sign of your devotion to Our Lady, which is what the scapular is as well. So, you know, consider about a way that you might wear your faith. There are some really cool t-shirts out there if you're into t-shirts and that kind of thing. 
and, um, you know, just do a little bit of searching online and you can find some. I might link to a couple of stores as well. Boy, this is going to be a lot of links in the show notes. A side note, if you cannot remember to go to ascensionpress.com to get the show notes and all of these links that I'm telling you about, no, you can always just text the word girlfriends to 33777. And that's a nice way, if you're in the US anyway, that you can automatically get subscribed to the show notes to the show updates for girlfriends. You'll never miss a show and you will always have the links from the show notes sent to your inbox every week. So it's really a fun and easy way that you can do that. Text the word girlfriends to 33777. Again, I know that that can't work for people outside the U.S., but people outside the U.S. can be subscribed. So just send me an email, danielle at daniellebean.com. I'll be glad to get you onto that list. All right. So that's metals and scapulars. Um, Next up, candles. We love our candles, don't we? They're, you know, through Theology of Home, um, Carrie Grass has a, a beautiful small business, Catholic small business, where she sells these beautiful candles that have these these scents um, that are, are really beautiful. It almost smells like the baptismal chrism or the chrism that they use at confirmation, at least the one that I have. And I think she has a couple more now. I haven't been over there recently, but you know, you can check out candles like that, but there are all kinds of different candles with regard to our faith. At the dollar store, I found a ton of Sacred Heart of Jesus candles and Our Lady of Guadalupe candles, the the tall ones, you know, the, I forget what you call those, but they're the ones they have in churches. You know, they're inside of a glass kind of pillar and those burn forever. So I've got a bunch of those saved up because I found them at the dollar store. You might have a find like that near you. And, you know, it's a nice way to remind yourself to pray. Even if you just have a regular candle and you make a habit of lighting it near a crucifix or um, near a holy picture that you have in your house, it can be a reminder to pray for someone. I've shared with you all um, that we did a a consecration of our home to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, an enthronement of the Sacred Heart of Jesus in our home. And that image is enthroned. So it's like in in a prominent place inside the main area of our house. And I've gotten in the habit lately of when I'm praying for somebody or if a prayer intention in the morning, I take a li- one of those little votive candles and I just light it and place it in front of that image of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Or I, I can also light um, one of those pillar candles, one of the Our Lady of Guadalupe candles there. And, and I kind of keep it in that space and I'll see it many times throughout my day. Of course, the small votive candles will go out after a few hours, but it's a nice reminder of whoever it is that I might be praying for. And, you know, there there was one time when one of my sisters was going through something difficult and I, I, I lit a candle for her in that spot and then sent her a photo of that. And it was a nice way to, a tangible way to show her, like, I'm remembering you and I'm praying for you today. It's easy to set up a spot like that anywhere in your house, anywhere that makes sense for you. Have a candle like that. One really cool idea that I think I want to do this November. So in November, we we pray for the dead. We remember our dead. We have All Souls Day on November 2nd, where we especially pray for the dead, pray for those who've died that they, that they might be in heaven. And so November's a time when we can do that. I saw this really cool thing online where I wish I could give credit because I don't know where I saw it. Some mom on Instagram was sharing that she has a prayer candle that she uses throughout the month of November. 
And she makes a new one each year. And it's one of those same, like a tall kind of pillar candle inside of glass. And it was white. And she just took a Sharpie and on the outside of it, wrote the names of loved ones who have died that she wants to remember to be praying for and that her family wants to be praying for. And then placed that candle in a prominent place in her home and she would light it each day and be reminded that, you know, of who she's praying for. What a really cool idea. So I think I'm going to sometime this week stop at the dollar store and see if they have any of those those nice candles there that I can uh, stock up on and use one for that purpose. But it can be that simple. It doesn't have to be that complicated. Sometimes we we kind of think we have to have, you know, the the perfect kind of prayer altar set up or prayer space set up in our home in order for it to to work or for us to do it at all. No. Start with what you have. Start with the, you know, the the nice little scented candle someone gave you for your birthday. Perfect. You know, put it somewhere in your home, pull out a prayer card. Voila, you've got a little shrine. You know, start with what you have. And candles are a really nice way because already we kind of associate them with prayer and it presents kind of a peaceful way of uh, approaching prayer. This idea of having a lighted candle kind of sets a space apart, kind of sets a time apart if you light a candle during your prayer time. Um, so that's like a, a really wonderful way that you you can do that. All right, next up, look for what I call Hail Mary opportunities. Now, this is an easy way to kind of let your day interrupt you and turn you toward prayer. So what do I mean by Hail Mary opportunities? Well, how about if you uh, hear an ambulance? This is something that I've trained my kids to do and that I do. When you hear an ambulance or a siren of any kind, just pause for a moment and pray a Hail Mary. Pray for the people who need help. Pray for whoever's getting picked up and taken to the hospital. Pray for whatever you know accident scene they might be rushing to. It's a nice way to just, you know, remind yourself you're part of a larger community and things we do can help other people in this way. So when you hear an ambulance siren, when you drive by a church, do you pray a Hail Mary then or say a sign of the cross? Because we're we're aware of Jesus's presence inside of the church in, in the Eucharist, in the tabernacle. That's another way to add a little, little tiny note of prayer to your day. And the thing about all of these little things is that they add up. They end up having a lot of meaning. They, you know, every little time that you are interrupted inside of your day and reminded to turn your heart toward God is the beginning of a habit, is the reinforcing of a habit. And eventually you'll find your heart and mind turning toward God on a more regular basis, in a more regular way, in a natural way, because you've gotten in the habit of making these little interruptions part of your day. So yeah, driving by a church. How about if you just think of somebody that needs prayer? How often do you think of somebody and remember like, oh, I promised I'd pray for that person. Pause right there and do it. Say a memorari for that person. Say a Hail Mary for that person. Or um, if you're driving by a cemetery, a wonderful practice, especially during this month of November, where we're remembering the dead, the month of the dead, going to a cemetery is a wonderful way to do that. But then just anytime you're driving by a cemetery, say a prayer for the souls of those who are buried there. It's a beautiful opportunity to do that. And then also in social media, how often do you see people posting on social media that they're in need of prayer or sharing a link to somebody who needs prayer, asking all these different prayer requests we run into, whether it's on Instagram or Facebook, or maybe it's coming to your email or a group you belong to. We all see these prayer requests all the time. And and often we have really good intentions and we'll let the person know, I'll be praying for you. Well, one really great thing to do 
is stop right there and do it before you type your response saying that you're going to pray for that person. You know, I, I, I work with a really awesome lady. Her name is Barb Shishkevich. And she works with me at Catholic Mom. I've worked with her before when I was in magazine publishing. And she's known as Franciscan Mom on Twitter and on Facebook. And she's always posting great recipes. Anyway, she has this great habit on social media where she will just pray a memorare immediately whenever anybody is asking for prayers. And then she just posts a simple comment saying, memorare up. Like she sent one up for you. And I think that's such a great practice because it's real and you know she's doing it. And that's a great habit to get into. So whenever you do see these prayer requests, and I know I've done it too, like we have the best of intentions, like, oh, I'm going to add this person's intentions. You know, I'm going to pray that rosary later, or I'm going to have my prayer time later. I'm going to add this person's intentions to that time. And you may, and you know, that's good. But I think it's even better to pause in the moment and pray for that person right then and there. And then you're even more likely to remember them later when you do have that time set aside for prayer. So that's another way that you can do that. Do it for Barb. Pray immediately, whether it's a memorari or not. Um, look for those Hail Mary opportunities inside of your everyday. Okay, the final way I want to share for a way that you can make everyday more Catholic is to consider adding to your grace that you say before meals. Most of us do say prayers before meals. We say grace before meals. And you probably have a set one, you know, bless us, O Lord, and these thy gifts is the, the most common one. Maybe you say that. Well, consider adding to it. What could you add to it? Maybe um, switching it up according to the time of year. So there's a tradition among Catholics, and I don't know where this comes from, but um, of especially during the month of November to pray for all souls. Um, adding to the end of grace, saying, may the souls of the faithful departed through the mercy of God rest in peace. Amen. And um, when I was growing up, there were several years where my parents kind of had us add that to our our grace at mealtimes in the month of November. But then there was one time when my dad was like, uh, you know, when December rolled around, he said, why why would we stop praying for all the souls? <laughs> like we should still pray for them. So we continued praying that little prayer at the end of grace at mealtimes. And now my family does it today. And it's so funny because I don't know how many other Catholic families do add that. Maybe you do. Maybe you're familiar with it. Maybe you've never heard of it. Um, but it's something that you might want to consider adding. But if not that, maybe something else you want to add to your prayer at the end of grace. It's a nice little opportunity to perhaps recognize the liturgical season, say a prayer that's appropriate for Advent, which is coming up, for example, or during the season of Lent, you might consider adding something. You might memorize a new scripture passage and add that to your grace at mealtimes. It's just a nice way to kind of add a little bit of extra prayer to the everyday ways that we're Catholic. And, and I find that when you do that, when you're deliberate about doing that, it kind of helps those prayer times to be set apart a little bit more. You're more likely to notice and pay attention to the fact that you're praying grace at all. Like, why are we praying this? What are we saying? Like, is this just a ritual we we go through before we eat our meals? Or like, we're actually thanking God for the food and asking for his blessing. And it's kind of a nice way to wake yourself up a little bit inside of that routine is by adding a small prayer to your grace. And so that's it. Those are my nine different suggestions that I wanted to share with you today. As you can see, none of them are earth shattering. None of them are going to rock your world. They're just little ways. They're little things. And it really is inside of those little things, those small habits that we kind of train ourselves in 
that we can change ourselves in a larger way, change the way that we're approaching our days, change how often we are praying, change how often we're, we're considering God's perspective inside of those everyday moments of our day, considering giving God our work every single day. So little things that can add up to making a big difference. But maybe what I've shared here has reminded you of something that you do or you have a particular practice that you find helpful to make every day more Catholic. I would love to hear it from you. You can email me, danielle at daniellebean.com, or you can connect with me on Voxer or on social media. I'm Danielle Bean on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All right, don't go anywhere. We're going to take a quick break and be right back with a little bit of listener feedback. I'm Danielle Bean, and you're listening to The Girlfriends Podcast. Did you know that every single item in a Catholic church points us towards heaven? Make every visit to a Catholic church a powerful reminder of God's presence with a new book from Ascension, The Sacred That Surrounds Us by Andrea Zachman. The Sacred That Surrounds Us awakens Catholics to the mystery of the seemingly ordinary items we see every week at Mass. It explains with clarity the symbolic realities and historical facts of each one. To order The Sacred That Surrounds Us, visit ascensionpress.com or Amazon. Okay, welcome back. Now we're at the point in the show where I like to share a little bit of listener feedback. And uh, this week, I have a message that I received from Lisa. So this is what Lisa wrote. She said, Hi, Danielle. Thank you so much for your podcast. I love listening to it, especially while running. I was listening to Ave Presents, the episode when you were interviewed. Regarding teens, you offered the advice to not take it personally. I was hoping that you might expand on that in a podcast episode. It seems small, but it's a genius concept. I have a relatively young teen who just started high school virtually after being homeschooled for first through eighth grades. It seems like every time I turn around, he has a criticism from homeschooling to religion, from his point of view, I did it all wrong. He even likes to point out how we are parenting our younger children incorrectly. I never knew how much my own child could hurt my feelings. How in the world can I not take this personally? All that to say, I would love your input, advice, or even just tell me to toughen up. Thank you so much for all of your ideas and insights. Blessings, Lisa. Okay, Lisa, first of all, I can commiserate. I totally get it. And for sure, we've experienced that here where as our kids get older, sometimes they're looking back and just pointing out the negative things. And that can be soul crushing. That can be heartbreaking. So yeah, I understand. It is personal. That feels very personal. And you can set boundaries in reasonable ways with your son. Um, you can say, when he does say something that hurts your feelings, you can point out that it hurts your feelings. Um, but not just that, like some of the things he doesn't have the lifetime of experience that you have to judge them properly. And it's also okay to point that out, to let him know exactly, you know, what his role is and the limitations of that. Um, but also to remind yourself, like, it can be easy to kind of feel swayed by that and, you know, feel criticized and think, oh, maybe we did mess it up. Maybe we did do it all wrong. Well, maybe you did mess some things up. We all do. We all mess some things up. But it's not his place to be telling you that, to be um, correcting you about that, especially in a way that's going to feel like it's it's cutting or it's unfair criticism. So, for sure. I'm, I'm, when I'm saying don't take it personally, I'm not telling you that your, your child's allowed to say and do whatever and um, hurt your feelings in any way. But 
you know, if he wants to have conversations about how you approached homeschooling or, or why you did, that's fine. And but you might need to let limit, you know, let him know there are going to be limits to that. And at some point, if you have completely different points of view about it, then, it's, you know, just accept that and and let him know that you don't need to be hearing the comments. You know, you're allowed to set those kinds of limits, especially with your own kids. Um, but what I really mean by don't take it personally is um, maybe not so much when they're directly criticizing you, although sometimes, sometimes that's just acting out. They need to separate themselves from you. They need to kind of assert their own independence in various ways. And every kid's going to do that in different ways, some of which are going to be very painful for you and some of which are going to be maybe hilarious or, um, you know, just maybe a little bit hard for you to get through. But recognize that that's their motivation. I think is what I mean by saying, don't take it personally. They're, they're completely motivated by who they are and this drive they have within them to become the person, hopefully the, the person that God wants them to be. But every person of that age, and if you recall your own time when you were that age, think about something that you might've done or said that was hurtful to your parents. This really puts me in check sometimes. I remember some stupid thing that I, I said to my mom, you know, when I was a teenager or some stupid way of thinking that I had or some way that I rejected my parents that I can now see was hurtful to them. And I can recognize in the moment, I didn't mean it that way. I really didn't. I wasn't like rejecting everything that I was raised to be and I wasn't rejecting their values. I wasn't rejecting them. It was like I needed to say and do those things. And I was in a very immature and selfish way. And let's be honest, oftentimes people in that age group, that is what they're going through. They're they're figuring things out and their tendency is to be immature, is to be self-focused. I remember being in awe of the fact of some of my kids at that age, like, all that exists to them is themselves and these five minutes we're living in. Like that is it. They were incapable sometimes of seeing other people's perspectives or of seeing like long-term perspectives on anything. It was like this living in the present moment right here, right now, it's all about me. And there's, of course, a, a place for parents to correct their children in that regard and to kind of point out to them, help them to see the broader perspective. But when I'm saying don't take it personally, I'm, I'm saying part of this is a natural process that they need to go through. That doesn't mean you accept inappropriate or disrespectful behavior and you always do correct things. Um, but it, it can help you with your own perspective on it. Like he's not talking back in that way because he hates me. Uh, because of any major mistake I've made in his parenting. And, you know, he's doing that because he's acting out right now and it's a natural stage of his development. And yes, I'm going to correct it in this way. There are going to be consequences, of course. And that that's part of your role as they're playing that role right now. Nobody said it would be easy, right? <laughs> it's, a, it's it's not for wimps, this, this parenting of teenagers and young adults for sure. So I hope that's a helpful way of me explaining, um, not taking it personally, Lisa. But you know, maybe I'll I'll take on this in a in a more broad way in a future episode. I haven't talked about parenting teens in a while, and it's something I do get questions about quite a lot. But in the meantime, know that I will be praying for you and your son, especially during these particular weeks. And I want to invite all of the girlfriends community to join me in praying for Lisa and her son and their relationship. And in a general way for all parents, all all parents who are are struggling in any way in the, inside of their relationship with their kids. So we'll be keeping that in prayer right here on Girlfriends.
If like Lisa, you have a question you want to ask me, you can always email me, danielle at daniellebean.com. I really want for this podcast to serve you and your needs. I want it to be a practical source of real support in your everyday life. And the only way I can do that is if you tell me how I can do that. Let me know what you're struggling with. Let me know what questions you have. I'd love to consider taking up a topic that you suggest on a future episode of Girlfriends. All right, before we have to go, I just want to do one ask. I want to ask you, please, if you would consider leaving an iTunes review for Girlfriends. It really is a helpful way that lets iTunes know that you enjoy the podcast, that people are listening, that people are subscribed, and they appreciate the content that we're putting out here. And it helps us to get the word out to more listeners and grow our community of listeners here at Girlfriends. So I Along those lines, I want to thank Steph, who recently filled out a very quick review over at iTunes. Steph wrote, fills my bucket every time. She says, Danielle's topics are always timely and real. I appreciate her openness and honesty about the struggles and joys as a Catholic mom and wife. It's been great to get connected with so many amazing other Catholic women. Thank you for being such an encouragement on my journey. So thank you for taking the time to do that, Steph, taking just a few minutes to rate and review the Girlfriends podcast over there at iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's hugely helpful to me. Thank you for taking the time to do that. And I want to thank you for being here today. I'm so glad you joined me. I'm looking forward to connecting with you over at the Catholic Moms Summit. Get over there and register, catholicmomssummit.com. I'm looking forward to our connections there. But in the meantime, I'm really grateful that you've spent this time with me here today. Thank you so much for being a part of the Girlfriends podcast community. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between daniellebean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation. 